Welcome back to the Todd Duncan Podcast. A member of the industry syndicate. This is where success happens. Todd's goal is to transform your business and life through deeper connections, higher trust, and proven strategies to help you win and give you your best life ever. Here's your host, Todd Duncan. Hey, it's Todd Duncan. Welcome to the Where Success Happens podcast. I'm coming at you from my office in Newport Beach, California. And as is always the case, we endeavor to spend 30 minutes with guys and gals that are figuring out success and significance and and really leveling up their business and their life. And the only goal we have is to share ideas with you that might make a difference in your life journey. So it's a delight to know that we get to spend some time today with a guy named Timothy Loss. Tim resides in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Uh, He is a, a doer. He is part of our elite coaching group. And this is his second year in elite. And the thing that impressed me the most as I was just thinking about what to say as we kind of open this up before I bring Tim on is um, he's got a 4.99 across the board um, Zilla review uh, status, which to me is just lights out stuff. And uh, we need to learn a lot on how do we get to that five stars. And I think 4.99 is about as close as we can get, but hundreds of reviews. It's exciting to welcome Timothy Loss with CMG Financial. Tim, good to see you, my friend. Good to see you too, Todd. Yeah. So what's going on? We're in the month of May and uh, tell us tell us what's going on. Tell us your story. Uh, just Start with something that you are excited about. Well, it's it's fascinating, you know, to to hear, I, you know, just to kind of hear you bring me on here. It's kind of surreal, you know, because I've been listening and and following you for a long time, and and you know, you being my mentor now, it's been pretty uh, pretty pretty surreal, you know, the success that I've had and and things that I've really accomplished over the past few years. Um, it. It's, it's hard to put my finger on it, you know, because um, my journey and where I came from to get to where I am, it's been uh, it's been one of those uh, that there wasn't a roadmap, you know, mm-hmm. and so it was um, packing up my stuff, my wife and I moving to uh, Charleston, not knowing anybody and, and not really knowing where I was going to go and just where I've come from since then. And we're talking, uh, you know, within the, the seven years that I've been here, being able to build a business and you know, Charleston's a good old boy town, you know, it really is. And and that's what, you know, what I've kind of uh, um, learned from and, and how I was able to overcome a lot of the obstacles. And it really came down to me um, just outworking everybody. And so it's uh, just the uh, the journey and, and you know, the, the failures and just uh, just keep keep working. You know, it was yeah. for, for everything that I would do, you know, it would always... And I guess in, with life in itself, you know, you get to a brick wall and, and at that, that, that point, it's that's where people want to stop. But if you keep pushing through that, um, success happens. And so I've learned that. And I learned when things get hard, it's not you don't just stop. You just keep pushing. So it's kind of. A, yeah, no, that's a that's a good opening. You know, I think it's remarkable to <clears throat> move to a city um, where, you know, no one. And um, and seven years later, you know, you've made a lot of really great choices. You've overcome a lot of adversity. Um, it is it's not easy to start a business fresh anywhere. But the fact that you guys did it and you're seven years into it and then to see just the trajectory, I think, in terms of moving from 
that work ethic and, and just keep powering through it. And, and that is huge. I, I think, uh, you know, the attitude of successful people is the better I get, the easier it gets. And it doesn't mean that you're never going to have hard, but I can tell you hard is hard when you don't know what you're doing. Hard is hard when you don't have a strategy to, uh, to, to navigate through the difficulties, but hard is what produces diamonds, you know, and hard is what produces a shine and hard is what produces excellence in our life. And if, if it were easy, then everybody would be super happy and super successful. And it's just not, you got to make choices. You got to make decisions. You got to follow best practices and you can never give up. You just keep getting better and, and, and business, the better you get a business, the better business gets for you. So you're in, you're an elite. You invest a lot of money in personal growth and development. You're one of 24 people that is in our 2001 uh, group. And, uh, and last year was your, your first year. Talk about some of the, you know, in the midst of COVID, in the midst of a lot of uncertainty, in the midst of a lot of change, talk to people about what happened to you last year. And, and you have some really cool parts of your story that I hope you can just share. And let's see where that leads us. Cause it was it was a hard year. It was a good year in the mortgage business. You know, rates were super low, but it was a hard year. It was a hard year in America. It was a hard year remote working remotely. It was, I mean, so talk to us a little bit about like <laughs> Timothy lost 2.0 or 3.0 or wherever you are. <laughs> you know, so any, anybody in our industry probably felt, you know, interest rates, um, you know, a lot of uh, magic happening in the world of home loans and the ability to um, capitalize off of a really bad time, you know, and, and I, I mean, we're, we're really, uh, I don't want to say lucky, but, you know, to be in an industry and, and to be able to be in a time where we're able to help so many people accomplish, um, you know, saving money through refinancing and, um, you know, buying houses and so forth. But, you know, I think, you know, we talk about this and we've talked about it in the past, and this was more of my the decision in my business to really stay away from refinances. And so halfway you know, through the year, probably a year from now, I made the decision to stop doing refinances, right? And so, you know, it was more of a commitment to my my uh, my partners to make sure that I, I hold a certain level of, of customer service and uh, just to be able to, you know, just really overpromise and, and be able to deliver on those expectations, you know? So it was mm -hmm. really uh, um, just staying true to what I was able to do and just really over, you know, overcompensate on an, on an effort that people weren't able to, to perform with, you know? So I can tell you a lot of people, you know, across the country probably, you know, worked or had the ability to be able to do the, uh, you know, a, a great amount of volume and, and refinances, but how much did that suffer for their, their referral partners who now, um, you know, they're, they're needed still. Right. And yeah. so yeah. with, uh, <clears throat> it was, uh, but what I accomplished through this and by making this decision, my business has springboarded, you know, I've, 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 it's doubled. It, it literally has doubled. I've been able to capture more relationships because of the attention that I put onto my, my partners and getting new real estate agents. And, you know, all I had to do is just return a phone call and uh, <laughs> just uh, kind of simple. You know, it's so it's so interesting when and just this last part, I think it's amazing. We did a survey um, 17 months ago, and I think we had close to 19,000 realtors that replied to the survey. And one of the questions we ask is what has been some of your largest frustrations with lenders as a real estate professional? And the number one thing that came out other than 
making promises they couldn't keep, which addresses what you said about over-promising over and over-delivering, was the idea how, how simple it was to simply return a phone call. And you just said to make a phone call. And you know, part of, part of why we do what we do, and I think you've seen it, part of why we do what we do is to um, simplify and demystify what success is about. Success is, is not about luck. It's not about arriving at a point, even though we felt all lucky last year because rates were so low and, and it was pennies from heaven. But at the same time, it was uh, a decision that you had to make to how would you go through this and how would you go through this? And, and to be able to, I, I can tell you that, that I probably have a handful of people that I can point to last year that said no to, and you're going to love this, non-essential refis. And I'm thinking COVID, non-essential, you know, and I, that's, it's a kind of a whacked out term. But when somebody started saying there's a lot of non-essential refis, I said, what does that mean? Well, this guy, you know, said it's about my agents first. I got to make sure I protect them. And the essential refis are refis for any client that I have helped finance real estate previous to right now. There might be a lot of other refis coming in, but because I believe in client loyalty and client for life thinking, and I want to, I want to be present when the industry is not present for uh, the guys and gals that trust me that refer buyers to me. I'm going to make a decision to say no to those and. For me, man, that is a badass decision for people to step up and say, you know what, I need to protect what is going to be the long game and somehow balance the short game of, you know, revenue. And you did a good job on that. And I was I was really remarkably impressed when we talked months ago and, and you said that you had done that. So um, and it paid off now. Right. Because rates are sure. leaking back up and we've got a lot of uh, kind of lagging indicators that say the economy is starting to sputter just a little bit. I don't know what that means long-term, but you can never, ever go wrong investing time in people that you want to go the distance with. And I think that's sure. the message I want to, I want to put out there. That's solid for sure. You know, it's uh, it was uh, it was a, a, a tough decision because again, you know, from a, from a financial standpoint, you know, it was uh it was a decision that was paid off, you know, so you have sacrificed then to get now. That's yeah. 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 So let's, let's talk about last year. <clears throat> let's talk about, um, I think you, it'd be just cool to give everybody a perspective on what did volume look like for you last year? Where'd you come in at the end of the year? And how did that, we know that that was a doubling effect from the year before, but you had some other metrics that were really cool, some personal and, uh, in other business that you kind of ran through. Give everybody a sense of the volume you were able to to help families with last year. I, I did and, a uh, business wise. I did a, a three hundred thirteen transactions. Two, I think, two hundred and fifty six of that purchase volume, purchase business uh, volume wise. It was about I think seventy eight million or eighty seven million. One of those. I, <laughs> it was one of those. <laughs> but you know, but it, it's it was uh, prior. You know, I. I was, I think I did 36 million the prior year, you know, and so yeah. already year to date, I'm at, you know, I'm at 30, 35 million this year so far year to date. So, you know, the, the, the methods in which I am working in terms of, you know, putting my, my agents first, putting my customers first and, and really trying to provide a high level of service um, is, is, is bound. It's, it's, it's like the, 
um, the steamroll. It's like steamrolling. You know, everything is steamrolling. Now things are becoming easier and, and more fluid in terms of how things are happening. So it's um, it's just been uh, it's been uh, pretty surreal. Yeah. Um, but you know, you mentioned the other thing. I don't know. You you we talk about this before, but you know, one of the decisions I made is to live a better quality of life. And I know that, um, part of, you know, a lot of the successes that I've had in my business is a result of a decision to, you know, to one, you know, to take better care of myself and better, better care of my health and, and really try to build, you know, just, uh, yeah, it's hard for me to talk about. I don't like talking about myself, you know. No, but but so, I, I'm gonna let me know. let me let me set it up then because I, I <laughs> of this is about you know some four four plan that you and I had to. I mean, these are organic conversations, and I think that that what I would do is 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 say to people and give you permission to share the decision to be your best physically, your best from a health standpoint. And I think everybody would agree, um, particularly those that haven't made that choice, that it's a strong choice that helps feed the ability to be clear and to be balanced, more balanced and to be succinct. And there's no downside to feeling good about yourself personally, which involves physically, uh, involves the health choices. And I think those are remarkable. And I, and I, so, so I'm just going to tell you, I, I appreciate you feeling uncomfortable talking about it, but I think anybody that can double their business, um, change some habits, lose some weight, continue to look like you look today, like you're still getting, you know, really, really dialed in and, and working out and you can see it in your face and you can see it, you look successful and, uh, but you made some choices. And so you can talk about those if you want, or you can just say that what's the impact of running the business the right way on health. So whatever you want to do, it's just, I mean, this is it, right? We're, we're yeah. about success and success is about life and business working together. And so, yeah. For sure. You know, you know, so the part of the, I think about like our business and, and the drain that it has in our business. How, what, how does this impact us and our livelihood? You know, the stresses that we have and, you know, it's the decision to lose weight. You know, I almost lost about close to 40 pounds. I did it, you know, in, in a period of, of, you know, two and a half months, you know, cutting out alcohol you know, stop drinking so much and, and, you know, really try to change the behaviors because I needed to have that endurance and I need to be able to, you know, run this marathon that I'm trying to, you know, build this, this, uh, this, you know, big business that I'm trying to, to grow towards. And so I, I knew that my physical health had to, be, you know, had to play a part into, you know, the success that I was going to have. And so, um, it was, uh, I mean, it, it was life-changing for me, right? It was life-changing. What do you want to say? It was <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's, and that's all I wanted you to say. It's a, it's a, it's a decision. And, uh, you know, I think we all get to a point where, you know, I remember one of my early mentors, uh, Zig Ziglar, and went on to become a very, very good friend. He's He's been, he's been gone for, I think, almost uh, nine years now. But he used to say that, um you got you to gotta do a checkup from the neck up. And it all had to do with how are you thinking before you actually act. And he said that every day is a choice for personal excellence. And, you know, all we want to do is we want to make sure that success and significance come along together. And you can be super successful, but unhappy. 
um, and you try to tie your happiness to your success, or you can be, you know, um, dedicated to being in shape and, and being okay that that might mean the business might retract a little bit. But I've always found that people that get in good mental and physical shape end up doing more business easier, more easily with less stress. And, and I think that's the reason why I like it because, you know, we love, we love this idea that one of the reasons we exist is to help people fall in love with their life. And you can't love your life if there's parts of your life you don't love. I mean, it's that straightforward. <laughs> and so when you look in the mirror every day, when I look in the mirror every day, we see something and that something has to be, you know, something that ultimately we're proud of. And we know that we we're feeling accomplished and we're making the decisions to, you know, chip away every day at the things that matter most. And let's face it. And I, I think I can say this for you. I, I know your journey. Um, I know that in my own life, I got away from uh, the, the whole whole health thing. And, you know, I woke up one day and found myself like 60 pounds overweight. I'd never weighed as much as I weighed. And I just made a decision. I'm never going to do that again. And I said, I'm going back to my high school weight. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get down to that kind of physique that I had. And it took, it took 14 months, but it was a daily decision. It was a daily decision to, to not put substance into my body that would compromise my intelligence or my, my safety or um, would compromise or risk my brand. I mean, that was a conscious decision to, to make sure that the business conformed to my life instead of my life conforming to the business. That was a conscientious decision. So the message I would like to give to everybody watching the podcast is, uh, or listening to it, is the idea that it all matters. You can't drop crystal balls. Your health is a crystal ball. Your relationship, if you're, you know, your marriage is a crystal ball, your, your, your kids and you are a crystal ball. You just can't drop the stuff that matters most and you still want to succeed. So it's almost counterintuitive that the, the less I worry about success and the more I get myself lined up, the more success happens. And you used a word endurance. And I think that's a powerful word, endurance. Not that you just work to the exclusion of <laughs> not the endurance we're talking about. We're talking about if you want to go from 36 million to 200 million, you got to have endurance. You just got to have endurance and, and you can't get that unless you're healthy. So I'm proud of you. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's crazy. The the direct correlation with, with everything that you're talking about, as far as just the mental, physical, and just the, the level of success that you want to have, you know, in your, in your, in your business, regardless of what it is, you know, yeah. it's, it's just, uh, it's so powerful. So why don't you give us a little mini masterclass? Um, let's say <laughs> that somebody asks you, <clears throat> so what, what did you do the first year in elite, Tim? I mean, what were the changes that you made? So let's put the personal stuff aside because we've addressed that, but when you attack the business and you're in a group with all these high performers and you want to be a high performer and you are a high performer, what's Tim's masterclass? Like what are two or three things that you could point to last year that were game changers for you? Sure. You know, and I, I still, even to today, the leaky bucket, you know, the, the, the leaky bucket is, is something that I, I work on every day. You know, it's what are the holes in our business? And so there's always, there's always something, right. There's always, uh, there's always something that could improve. And so, you know, it's, it's been just an evolution of just taking just one thing that I can improve on, you know, and then, and, and fixing it. And so even to today, you know, I'm, I'm, I had a conversation today with one of my assistants on reviewing CDs 
with my clients, you know? So one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm having to do is I'm having to reduce my review closing disclosures with my clients. And I find myself not doing that. And so it needs to be done. And so now, you know, it's, I have somebody that can do that, you know? So I'm just, I'm constantly honing my business um, to create, you know, again, everything is, is my master plan of creating a business that um, allows for a lead to come in you know, uh, the process to happen without my interaction, you know, I'm, I'm trying to grow a business here. So um, it's just uh, the constant, you know, changing of, of the systems and processes to, to facilitate that. But yeah. anyway, you know, so the leaky bucket aspect of it is just the kind it's, that's one of the biggest things that if, if, if you have a business, um, what would, you know, what does your business look like and, and how would you want that to, to facilitate and, um, you know, identify the holes in your, in your, in your business. I want to tap into the psychology of what you just said. Okay. Cause I think it's profound. I don't think anybody that is in business can ever stop thinking about what Tim just said. And that is we all have a main lane. We all have um, akin to what we do professionally, a part of that, that should be the greatest amount of our time per day and we should do it at the highest level of execution possible. Um, all success that I have seen involves people doing less, better, more efficiently, and more rhythmatically. And success, therefore, then becomes like operationally fairly boring in terms of it's not sexy. You know, it's like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna grow a business, I have to I have to understand the concept of manufacturing. I've got to understand that the more that I produce this, in this case, uh, a, a lending experience, a, a positive home buying experience, borrowing experience, um, that that should be my lane, right? And what Tim just said is 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 I think there needs to be an aha effect. There needs to be like a like wow, I didn't even think that I could do that and have somebody step in and take over disclosures, take over CDs, take, take over that stuff. Right. And so I, I, there's always this juxtaposition of what do you really get paid to do? And what we talk about in elite all the time is how much are you earning per hour? And I think the attitudes of, of anybody that realizes that there's not a limit on how much they can do. And it's not that we want to do as much as we can. We just do want to seize the potential that we have to be our best and to, and to do business well. I still think probably 97% of the industry does too much and doesn't produce high enough results because they don't understand the dollarization between how much am I making, how much is doing this actually costing me instead of earning me, and by the way, there's probably people that could do this even better because I'm not wired for this. You went through a, a phase, right? And you you started seeing what's not delegatable, right? Right. The scaling aspect of our business. I mean, it's, yeah. Um, it was the book, uh, not how, but who. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but you know, I mean, that just takes you down the the uh, you know the road of you know how can I get things done you know, really through other people instead of trying to figure things out yourself. And, you know, that the, the bucket, the leaky bucket aspect of it, you know, the other aspect of, you know, it's, you know, just really being granular with the details of your, your systems and processes, you know, and, and constantly, you know, that's always evolving. I'm, co I'm constantly, 
adjusting how something is being done in the method at which it's being done. You know, I'm constantly pushing the lever. I'm trying to get more. I'm trying to get things faster. I'm trying to, you know, trying, I'm trying to be elite. Right. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you are, you are, you're, you are elite and you are, but that's why you are because you have that attitude. You know, one of the things we work on, and this is for the, you know, the global podcast audience. One of the things that we work on in business is the idea of um, principles, right? And, and one of the principles that I've got our elite group working on for the first half of this year is the principle that everything can be improved. And what I want you to be thinking about when you hear that, first of all, it's irrefutable. You cannot, nobody, I can't, Tim, Tim can't, nobody can deny that there are things in my life and my business that could be improved. So the question is, do you have an attitude towards that? And so Tim, I think you kind of do this radar scan, you know, on a pretty consistent basis on where are the leaks, right? And part of part of running a great business is fixing the leaks. But the other part is once you get it kind of going the right way, how do we do that even better? And it's not because you wake up and you're never satisfied. It's just if we're going to manufacture a beautiful home borrowing financing experience, um, the more of them we do, the more seamlessly we do them with the less collateral, the least collateral damage or negative customer experience, the better off and probably the bigger our brand will get. And we don't make it big just to be big. We do the right thing and it becomes big. And I think that's why I love what you said at the start of our podcast, that you made a hard choice and, uh, and you're constantly vetting the operation and you're seeing things. And so I would ask as a, as a, you know, a guy that's either 78 million or 87 million, um, 313 or 314 families served. What are, what are, give us one or two more examples like the CD example on just how you saw things and how you started paying attention to things as you scale and where were the gifts? There's a lot. Jeez. So, um, you know, one of the things you talked about earlier is, is the, the time that we spend doing something and is it our best use of time? Right. So, um, you know, we, we look at the process and I look at what has to happen between, um, you know, a client coming into our door to them, you know, making a commitment to work with us. Right. So, you know, the, the idea here is, um, I'm trying to say this, um, just, uh, I guess what I'm, I'm just trying to uh, articulate this here in a way, um, you know, finding people to do the things that people do really well at things that I don't want to do. And I, and so I, I've really have, have taken my process and I've identified what it is I like to do. And, and I've hired people to do the things that I'm not good at, you know, and it's not that I don't like to do them. I'm just not good at doing them, just doing things, you know, that, uh, um, yeah. I, I, let me let me step in because I think this is a turning point. I think I, I had a I had a group of 270 business owners on a broadcast yesterday, and you know they control about 60 billion a year in home loans, and it's a it's a pretty big operation that uh, is in Canada. And and what I said to these leaders, I said, um, the idea that you could lead by telling somebody how to get better at what they're weak at is a bad choice. And the reason is it's a bad choice because 
we don't want to have people spend time, energy, and lifeblood getting better at what they're weak at. There's nothing wrong with self-improvement. There's nothing wrong with assessing that I didn't do that, you know, exactly like I probably needed to, or I maybe need to do something differently over here. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about um, being okay with being weak. What I'm talking about is we are all wired in a way that we have gifts. And I did a podcast last week talking about my 23-year-old son that when you watch somebody get in their lane and you realize that this is their gift and this is what um, they have as a natural, natural gift, everybody on the planet will be more successful if you orient what you do around your gift or gifts. But if I were to tell, you know, somebody that, you know, you're really, really bad at data. You're really bad at, at creating kind of the optics and, and justifying this or that or anything. And that person doesn't have the DNA of numbers and, you know, the, the whole idea of understanding that detail. Even me early as an originator in the old days of handwriting loan applications, I was not a good app taker. I was a good visual guy, but I was not a good app taker. And my manager said, you know, we're going we're gonna to have Nancy actually take the apps while you talk to the borrower because you're not good at it. And they could have made me all day long, get better and get better and get better at taking apps. But it's, I, it wasn't my skill set. Um, my skill set was connecting and, and having a relationship and getting people confident and excited that they could trust us. That was my skill set. So what you're saying is the best list to build is the list that you're not good at that somebody else is good at. And the cool thing I said to these owners is, do you realize that what you're not good at can be somebody else's good at job description? And it's, it's that straightforward, right? If, if I can put somebody on my team that's got a gift I don't have, then we're both happier and we're both more productive. And it's a beautiful decision. So that's, I mean, that's what yeah. we're talking about, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, yeah. and I, I think just making the, you know, making make a decision to invest into that part of it because yeah. I think one of the biggest scares that people have when they, they're trying to scale, they're trying to grow, they want to do more is to invest in the support, trying to, you know, hire people to come in and assist them into doing something. And and so that's a, I would say that's a really big, uh, you know, it's something that, uh, that I had to overcome early on. You know that we, we believe in this and I think that I'm just going to take this opportunity because of what you just said it is hard and people have fear around making that investment. But I, one of the things that we do in coaching across the entire coaching organization, and we have tens of thousands of coaching hours, I can tell you right now without any reservation, if you're listening or watching this podcast, the most important thing you can do is figure out how much do you earn per hour? What do you do in that hour that doesn't produce that revenue? And how much would it cost per hour to have somebody do that for you? And 100% of the time, I bet, you can make sense of the idea. It's going to cost me a whole lot less to have somebody do that than it is going to earn me more by me doing that. And if I can make a thousand dollars an hour and it costs me a hundred dollars an hour to have a really capable person on my team and I make $900 in net profit per hour, that's how elite guys and gals think. And, you know, everybody can start to dollarize how much is it actually costing me? Because if I spend an hour doing a bunch of stuff that somebody could do for $50 an hour, or $25 an hour, or again, $100 an hour, I'm making money. I'm investing in team. I'm growing team. And I'm getting myself into my sweet spot, into my main lane. I think that's critical. 
So anyway, we just had to go off on that. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the, uh, we, we got about five more minutes. What's, what's next in, in Tim Loss's uh, life personally and, and, and business wise, what are you excited about? And uh, what do you have hope in? I'm trying, I'm trying to get a six pack, put that out. I'm trying to get a six pack. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> give, me, give me a couple months. So, you know, you know, um, you know, we're just, uh, Work-wise, I mean, geez, um, you know, I, I did, I think it was like, what I said, 78, 87, you know, I mean, Mike, I want to double production this year, right? I want to double production. I want to scale, um, you know, uh, I'm building a, a, a process. I'm, I'm adding people that I don't currently have. I have a hole in my bucket, which is my, the post-closing aspect, my customer service side of things. So I'm, I'm hiring a, a CFO, chief follow-up officer. Right. So the person yeah. who's going to who's going to help manage the database, the person that is going to help, you know, cultivate these leads that, you know, while they're waiting to uh, buy, you know, buy a house, they're, they're, you know, incubating these these future home buyers. You know, they're keeping in touch with our agents, you know, and just, keep, you know, being the glue there. And so I, I've, I'm creating this process where it's it's it's, you know, this is uh, an entry level position that is going to move into a loan officer assistant position that is going to move into the you know, to the loan officer position. So it's, it's, you know, I'm creating this a means of being able to grow future, you know, business leaders, you know, in, in the mortgage space with, uh, with this process. So, yeah, but, uh, that's, yeah. you know, you never go wrong. You never go wrong improving process. You know, years, years, 30 years ago, the, the hot word in business coach consulting was the word Kaizen. And it was a, the Japanese approach to, constant and never ending improvement. And that's what Kaizen stood for. And Toyota was one of the early adopters of what, what constant and never ending improvement looks like. And it's not exhausting. It's actually very exciting that if we can get better 1% a day or 1% a week, or, you know, in a discipline, we can get 10% better in a year. And there's seven disciplines and you get an aggregate improvement of 70%. I mean, this is the attitude, but it all starts with these micro observations, right? It's the micro observation of what am I doing? that is costing me or that is a hole in the process or that I have the wrong person doing. And if you just have that attitude that it's process improvement, it's not process perfection because it's never going to be perfect, but manufacturing is manufacturing. And so you have to have a process that is getting better and better and better and better. I loved watching the movie a couple of years ago, um, founders, you know, the, the McConnell. <laughs> sure. I just love watching that because that's all it was about was moving things through a system to mm. produce the speedy guarantee, not 15 minutes, but 15 seconds. I mean, that was, I, I've never forget that line from the movie and that's what process improvement is. So what's your, what's your greatest, uh, greatest joy and hope personally for the next, uh, I don't know, the rest of this year. Greatest joy. Besides Jeez. the sex pack. Besides um, the sex pack. No, that's, yeah, you know, I, I think the biggest, most important is just being able to spend more time with my family, Yeah. you know, really to be able to set boundaries with our business um, and, and just be able to, to see my, my kids just get a little bit older you yeah. know, and be present, being present for the family. That's uh, there's nothing more important to that. You know, it's, so, you know, the, the thing that I, w I would say to, you know, everybody that watches or listens to these, is that, that what Tim just said is a very conscientious decision. And um, I think the thing that's really critical is 
it is just advice to all of us, myself included, pay attention to the warning signals, you know, and, and there's warning signals that are not audible, but you know, in your heart, you know, that I'm compromising some things that are very important to me. And, you know, I, I can't keep doing this because it sends a message that even though you, you are my priority, the message being sent is I don't treat you like my priority. And what we don't want is we don't want to have so many moments go by or so many days go by where all of a sudden we wake up one day and like we're a mile and a half away from where we used to be with our spouse or with our kids. And, you know, having, having a 24 and a 23 year old, I can tell you right now, I, 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 I can't even, can't even think back to how fast 20 years went, you know, from the time they were four and two to now, I'm just going, it's like a blink of the eye. And I think everybody knows that. And so what we do personally, putting boundaries on our business deciding what life looks like first in the scheme of time blocking, you know, what's my perfect day look like? What's my perfect week look like? And then to create process improvement around that, uh, I think is the great gift. And um, I guess I would say, because Tim, it's been so phenomenal to watch you go through what you've, you've gone through. Um, you can decide, and this is again to the tens of thousands of people that listen to this, you guys can decide how you want life to go. You can decide how you want off the job to go. You can decide, you can make those decisions. We're all in charge of the decisions that we make around boundaries and boundary management. So don't let time go by. If you have a warning signal or if you have a doubt or if you think, man, it's like the third day this week, I've gotten home an hour late. Just make some corrections because the people that matter most have to know they matter most. And if they don't, and it starts with you. I mean, I got to, I got to really like me. It's not pride or ego. I just got to like what I see. I got to look in the mirror and I got to like what I see and I got to feel good about me. And then I can be good with the people that matter most. And uh, I appreciate you bringing that up. It's like, it is the challenge and there's only three ways things end up. They end up better. <laughs> they end up broke. Or they end up unrecoverable and broke can be fixed. Um, great is good, but if it breaks and it breaks hard, it could be over and we don't want that. So good message. Yeah, man. It's, it's, uh, I mean, you, we've been in the business long enough. You, you've heard the story. So it's yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, man, I love you and I'm proud of you. And uh, you shared some real nuggets with everybody uh, in our half hour together. And uh, I'm looking forward. I don't care whether it's 78 <laughs> doubling or 87 doubling. It's going to be really fun to watch you crush through 100 million and, and do it right. You know, right. Do it from a perspective of balance and choice and all those good things. So that's off to you, man. Um, thank you, sir. Appreciate yeah. it. That's be awesome. well. Take care. And you as hey, well. thanks, everybody, for watching this. If you're a sales leader, uh, share this with your team. You know, if uh, you're a, a mortgage professional, share it with your real estate agents. Um, you know, if you if you really want to understand the power of building uh, a beautiful process, um, get as close to five stars as you can. Tim's at four point nine nine. That's pretty darn close. And uh, you'll never you'll never be sorry for creating great customer experiences and doing it with joy and doing it profitably and doing it well. So we're always here for you at toddduncan.com. If you'd like a free coaching call, just go to toddduncan.com forward slash coaching. And uh, we'll show you what we can do to help you if you want to go to a new level in life and business. Okay. Thanks, Tim. Be well. All right. Thank you. See you.
Hey, thanks for being part of today's episode. I've got a special gift for you I want to make sure you are aware of. I just released a 25-page ebook entitled The Five Irrefutable Principles of a High-Performance Business. These five principles are game-changing. There's a lot of methods towards success, but if you ignore the principles, it's very, very hard to know that those methods will work. Go to the show notes below, just click on the link, download this 25-page ebook, and see what kind of impact it can make in your business and your life.